Happy New Year and welcome back to Black's Academy. I'm Michael Sutler and I will be your guide through this very first monthly market mix of 2023. If this is your first time joining us, the monthly market mix is a monthly review of the financial markets. And I don't just mean stocks and bonds, but everything from currencies, commodities, foreign markets, derivatives, futures, you name it, we talk about it. The mixes are designed to keep Blacks Academy students ahead of the game. Our goal is to educate our students and by extension, listeners like yourself in a way that makes you better decision makers on the whole. Buckle up is going to be longer, more dense and more packed with good stuff all around. So grab your notebooks and let's begin. The agenda for January, we're gonna start off with, well, that was fun. It's a look back at the markets that were 2022. I'm gonna cover what happened, which most of you probably know if you've looked at your portfolios. Unless of course you may have been a Blacks Academy student or trader and you had one of the best years ever. We're also gonna talk about the world's worst drawdown. You may know already who that might be, if you know what the word drawdown means. And I'm going to go back a little old school and bring up one of the storied names, Warren Buffett. And we're going to take a look at Buffett versus Elon Musk and also Bitcoin. After that, if you're still with us, we're going to dive into the 2023 market outlook. And that has a few areas of interest for everybody. First off, we're gonna be talking about the US markets in a segment that I call milking dairy high prices. Then we're gonna shift over to European markets. And even though Game of Thrones is long gone, winter is still here when it comes to Europe. As we focus on the Asian markets next, it's really just one market in particular and we'll label that one as having risk triads. Then we come back to the Americas, and we're going to talk about country C, country do, and a little bit of the geopolitical risk that's going on there. And finally, we'll mix up the African markets with the Americans just a bit and talk about green giants and how they love heavy metal. Now for our special guests, our special subscribers, we'll also have a very special topic at the end called higher earning, how college endowments perform so well in 2022. That being said, I'm glad you're with, with us. I'm excited if you can't tell, and it's now time to get into the markets. For a lot of market participants, willing and otherwise, 2022 was a painful market, but we have to start out with a wide range because again, the monthly market mix is designed to educate as much as it is to review. And we're gonna talk about the winners as well as the losers in 2022. Across the board, if you were in stocks, AKA equities, you already know the deal. Everything was red. But if you're looking at our chart now, at the top of the board, with double-digit gains, we had commodities pretty much across the board. In fact, I'd like to say the commodities, currencies, 
and volatility itself all won out in 2022. These are particularly important themes in 2022. And I think one of them in particular, if not all three, is going to be important in 2023. And I'll just say it so you don't have to guess. Commodities. When I first started the monthly market mixes, my goal was to broaden the listeners' uh, range, palette, if you will, to the world outside of stocks and bonds. Because when I hear everyday investors talking about the markets, it is confined to the world of just stocks. And that world, as if you've been listening, has been so small and so disrupted in 2022 when if you knew anything outside of this world, you were probably having one of the best years ever. I can attest to this because I was one of the lucky ones having a great year, but I can tell you that I was not the best and definitely not the only one. We're hoping that in 2023, if you saw only red, it's rebound time. And it's not just rebound time because it's a new year, but we're going to show you some strategies and some other markets like these commodities that we think, I in particular think, have chances of helping you find opportunities as we make it through the next 12 months. At the top of the chart, the best performer, strangely enough, takes me back to my childhood and looking at a movie called Trading Places. Orange Juice was the biggest winner, strangely enough, in 2022, almost 46% return. It was followed by heating oil and rough rice, then natural gas, soybean, and then volatility itself. All of these had double-digit gains, and they were all from a class that are known as commodities. These are basic goods that are used to basically fuel the rest of our economies in some way, shape, or form or fashion. As you go down through this, if you remember, a lot of the commodity world was shaking up last year because we had some geopolitical upheaval. We actually had a war still ongoing. And you had some climate things going on that disrupted a lot of the natural processes that goes along with farming, distribution, and everything else that gets the goods to us. Financial markets, depending on who you ask or what you knew, Financial markets have been waiting on 2022 to reverse. I was ready. A lot of other professionals I knew were ready. But then again, there were a lot that weren't. And depending on your strategy, depending on what you could do, a lot of investors got caught in the shock and all. To me, it was just a natural market correction. As you can see again from the chart, if you start looking at some of the financials, you have to look down in the red section. You can see that the S&P 500 was down almost 19% on the year. The Russell Small Cap Index down almost 21%. And the NASDAQ, tech heavy, high beta, all the fancy, sexy things in the stock market led that index to be down 32%. In fact, it was third from the bottom. Oddly enough, two commodities, oats and lumber, were down double digits. Lumber was down 66% in 2022. But one reason for that, like the NASDAQ, like a lot of the financials, 
oats and lumber were having their best life ever in 2021 and lumber in 2020 as well. You saw a huge run up in lumber. Some incredible plays actually made some, some traders very, very wealthy and probably made some widow makers on the other side of that. One of the things outside of this emphasis of commodities that we're going to have in this first monthly market mix, I'm going to bring to the forefront some ideas that have perforated the financial market. They're pervasive. Everybody talks about them, but they're not necessarily right all the time. 2022 was one of those years to kind of check your knowledge on the markets. A lot of things that we thought were always turned out to be, well, not really. One of them was a theme that as inflation rises, gold, for example, is a great hedge. It's a hedge against or protection against inflation. Well, you can see from the chart here, gold almost gained 0.1%. It was actually 0.08% on the year. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't call that a great hedge. Preservation of value, maybe, but against inflation, not a chance. If you didn't gain 6 or 7%, uh, you weren't really touching inflation. But again, you're now getting to see that commodities, if you haven't noticed, are inflation sensitive as well. But in most cases, as inflation dies off, the value of these commodities and goods goes off as well. Well, as we're seeing elevated prices, we're also seeing elevated inflation and the rate of inflation drove a lot of these things higher and it made a lot of winners in spaces where you would not have seen it in the last decade. So if you're a new investor, please pay attention to the things on the screen that are outside of your stocks and bonds and don't get fooled. Don't get fooled into thinking, well, I can deal in a sector like energy where there's oil refineries to deal with gasoline and crude and natural gas, all these things that were energy related that, that won, or maybe you can go into food producers that produce some of the raw goods. There are some idiosyncrasies. There are some odd things that happen that don't make the tie to those equities, to those stocks. So just because you have oil stocks doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win out when oil itself or other futures and commodities win out. Sometimes you just have to go to those markets directly. And of course, I have to remind you that all markets do not have the same risk profiles. There's a lot of risk that is way different, sometimes higher in these other markets than it would be in the stock market. But you can't tell me in 2022 that stocks did not have commensurate risk with just about anything out there that wasn't leveraged. I'll sit that down for now, and we're going to move on to the next part, which is basically looking at how some of the individual parts of the markets looked in 2022. First off, we'll start with the blue chip stocks. These are your big names. These are also your mutual funds and ETFs that everybody loves. In fact, I think most of these things should be part of your core investment. Those things that make the building blocks or foundations of your investment portfolios. For example, the Spider S&P 500 ETF. That's a stalwart of investing in the 21st century. 
Well, it was down 18%, just like the market was down. You would expect that sort of thing. But was it the worst year ever on a percentage-wise basis? No. That record in the big blue chip still belongs to 2008. The Great Recession remains the largest, worst percentage-wise loss for large stock funds and a lot of the big stock funds. The interesting thing for this graph, though, if you look at each of the ETFs listed, you have one from Spider, you have one from Fidelity, iShares, Vanguard. You have two from Vanguard. They all look the same. One thing, if you're a new investor or just hearing about index funds and stock funds, that sort of thing, a lot of them are the same sort of thing. So to some degree, it really doesn't matter in which one you invest outside of what the fees are. And for the most part, these companies have to compete with each other. And because Fidelity and Vanguard are pretty much the end-all and be-all, respectively, in this space, their fees on these types of funds, on these index types of funds, are very inexpensive. And so iShares and Spider and everybody else in State Street, whoever you want to put, has to follow suit. So all in all, I just stopped to say that, hey, most of this stuff, is exactly the same. So make sure that as you're following our themes, which part of our theme this year is going to be rebuilding, make sure that you're rebuilding with the themes in mind, not necessarily a company. You don't necessarily have to go with any one of these, but at the same time, make sure that as you're analyzing your portfolio, whether it's a short-term or long-term thing, you don't have a bunch of funds that are really doing the same thing jumbled together. That doesn't make sense either. Leave some room for some new stuff, some new ideas that hopefully you'll get after listening to this very long monthly market mix. Now, on to the next. We'll talk about tech stocks. And of course, I'll talk about tech stocks because if your friends are like a lot of my friends, you probably had, or they probably had, tons of tech things in their portfolios. Why? Because for the last 10 to 15 years, tech has been out of sight in terms of return. If you look at some of the big names that we have here, Netflix, Meta, which used to be Facebook, NVIDIA, Amazon, Alphabet, which used to be Google, Microsoft, and even Apple. These are old names, but these were some of the biggest and best on the block. They rose to inordinate multiples. Everybody was making money in these until 2022, when you saw what goes up actually comes down a lot faster. And I think stocks, the tech stocks were the best place to actually see this in motion. And in particular, communication services, a lot of the stuff that we just talked about, Meta, Google, you name it. They had their worst on history in the history of actually having this communication services subsector. Now, still on the whole, big, big tech still had their worst year in other years. And we'll show this. If you were looking at the worst annual return for these big tech, you have to go all the way back to the dot-com bubble. I'm sure there are some listeners out there that might not have even been born there. You know, maybe you just got here as well when this was going on. But 2022 was bad when you saw a lot of these down 50, 60%. I mean, they, they absolutely got crushed. And I remind you that it doesn't make 
It doesn't matter how much money you make if it means the market mean reverse and takes most of it with you. I mean, sure, you can still say that you're up, but if you lose a lot of your money to volatility, that doesn't make you feel well even when you're winning. That's part of the mindset and psychology that goes along with investing that you can't really find it in books. You have to kind of experience it, but we will bring it to light as we go through here. There again are ways to set up your portfolio that you can still get exposure to this stuff. You still can have your tech stocks, but you just shouldn't have all tech stocks. But how bad was it in tech? Well, it's bad, but it wasn't the absolute worst. Again, the OGs like Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, they lost more of their stuff in the Y2 case that, I mean, 22 years ago, 23 years ago now. Google, Alphabet, great recession type stuff. But for the most part, there was a lot of pain and suffering. And if you were late to the party, in fact, if you were one of the new investors that came along in the 2020s, yeah, you're probably still hurting in tech and will be for the foreseeable future. But all is not lost. Let's keep going. If you thought stocks were bad, we highlighted this back in the late spring about how bad it was going in the bond market. Compared to prior years, bond funds got absolutely destroyed in 2022. Well, you may not be familiar with bonds, but likely if you have some type of long-term retirement planning, or you have somebody that has put together a portfolio for you, you probably have some exposure to the bond market. In fact, the bond market itself, the world bond market is very large. In some cases, it exceeds, it exceeds the size of some of the stock markets around the world. So bonds are a big deal. But part of the perceived knowledge of stocks and investing that you'll hear, for the most part, and I'm going to get into this heavily as we get into the more technical parts of this monthly market mix is the fact that bonds themselves a lot of times are supposed to be a hedge or a protection against losses in the stock market. Well, if you read the fine print on some of the stuff that you see from your favorite financial guy or maybe your least favorite financial guy, depends on how your relationship is with your advisor is right now, that small print will tell you that you can't really look at the past and see the future being the same. But for most investors, they go around with the idea that as stocks go up, bonds go down. And when stocks go down, bonds go up. 2022 had to hard check this because bonds not only went down, we've seen years where the bonds went down as well. We saw it in 2008, 2087. I can keep going back, 84, 82, where you had these inversions in bonds where the bond bond markets were scared just like the stock. But here in 2022, the bond markets were worse. They got hit harder. The reason is actually pretty simple. Outside of the deleveraging in the equity markets and capital markets in general, which stocks and bonds are both capital markets, bonds got hit because they are sensitive in the negative sense to changes in interest rates. And what did we have in 2022? the fastest change in interest rates in about 40 years. Why? Because we also had the fastest inflation in about 40 years. So one thing led to another, which led to another, which led to a stampede in the bond market. And so as you look across this Vanguard total bond market, the PIMCO 1, iShares core 
U.S. aggregate bond ETF, which itself is a benchmark for how well other bonds are doing, they all had their worst year in 2022. And I don't even know what Metropolitan Total West return bond was, whatever it is, it by a long shot had its worst year. And it's for the reasons that I explained. Now, tilting over to the personal side of things, I'd like to talk a little bit about, again, one of the guys that, to me, sort of encapsulates the themes of this era, and that's none other than Elon Musk, who I like to refer to as Great Value Tony Stark. Elon is the proud owner of being the world's first person to, quote-unquote, lose $200 billion in net worth. Now, as much as I have issues with Musk himself, his image, even more so than the person, because I actually don't know the person, but his image as being this tech mold, this savvy, again, the world's richest man hitting a net worth climax of $340 billion in 2021, saw his net worth revert just like the markets did. And it reverted hard. The reason is a lot of his net worth was built into just a few com companies, one which most of you probably know him for, which is Tesla. Tesla made big gains over the last two years, not counting 2022. So two years prior to that, 2020, 2021, it was an amazing run. But the market giveth and the market taketh. And from the richest, he is now not the richest man in the world. Now, granted, let's put it in perspective here. He's still a centibillionaire, which again makes him elite even among the elites. But to see somebody's net worth, which we covered and talk about so much, and we herald this as being such an important factor in success, material success, to see something fall off this much is staggering. And it just kind of poses me in a quizzical sense to question, well, why do we focus so much on net worth? And as a secondary and maybe even more important question, aren't all net worths equal? This is a question I posed to one of my illustrious friends a few weeks ago. And we were talking about what's in net worth. Well, for the calculation, it's pretty simple. To calculate your net worth, you take all of the things that have some value and you subtract all the things that you owe to somebody else. And what's left is your net worth. The people on the top 10, the four 400 list are about 2,000 people out of, two, out of 8 billion. There's 8 billion estimated people on the planet. You only have about 2,700 that are above a billion in net worth. Very, very, very tiny community. And then you take that and make it much smaller when you talk about this top 10, this elite. But even looking at one of my favorites against one of my not-so-favorites, one thing that stands out to me about net worth is that there is lots of fluctuations. And again, this is even if you normalize for the fact that we're talking about billions of dollars. But look at Warren Buffett here on screen with his net worth of 113.4 billion. This was taken in roughly 2021. Today, even after all the market calamity, 
And after most of his net worth being in one company, just like Elon Musk, he only lost a few billion here. Whereas we're just talking about Elon Musk goes from 340 to 220 to 140 billion estimated this year. What's the difference? Well, the difference to me, my estimation, is what makes up the composition of the companies. Tesla is a high-flying, you talk to somebody about Tesla, they could tell you to the nth degree why Tesla cars are superior to everything else on the market and will ever be. There's tons of Tesla fanboys. It's a coveted thing. It's a social status thing. Me in particular, I think that there are tons of other EVs on the market that actually smoke Tesla in terms of quality, but that's not the narrative that goes along with the market. That's not the narrative that goes along with Elon Musk. And I would hold and conjecture that if you ask somebody about Berkshire Hathaway, what makes it a good company, the same fanboys that love Elon couldn't tell you anything. But I want to get under the hood a little bit because this kind of goes along with the difference between Tesla as a stock versus maybe, say, Apple or maybe even Berkshire Hathaway. And it comes to the question, would you rather have a much higher but volatile net worth or would you have one that is still high but more stable, less prone to fluctuations when the market is up or down? I already know my answer. It's already embedded in what I do for a living. But for you, maybe that question is a little bit unclear or maybe you just take the other side of that tray. But the thing I'm talking about when it comes to net worth that I think should be considered is something called concentration risk. In short words, it's putting all of your eggs, or at least the risk to your eggs, in one basket. It's what a lot of people did when they put a lot of tech stocks in their portfolio. It's what a lot of people did when they had only stocks in their portfolio. If you only have the one thing, it's like having only one job, or it's only like having one trading account. Whatever affects that one thing or cuts off the cash flow from that affects your net worth considerably. Concentration is basically putting all of your risk in one spot. That's the difference to me between a Tesla and a Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire, for example, is a conglomerate with 65 diversified subsidiary companies with different cash flows, different risk characteristics. Some of them may be up this year, some of them may be down, but if you look at them on the whole, you can see from the chart here that Berkshire actually did fairly well starting from January of 2022 to where we are now. Whereas you look at Tesla and another one that, again, you'll find correlation between people that love Tesla and love cryptocurrencies. Crypto was down about as much as Tesla. And when I'm going to take crypto as saying I'm taking Bitcoin as a representative of the entirety of the cryptocurrency world as a whole, just like I would say S&P 500 is a representative of the U.S. stock market as a whole. Looking at both Bitcoin and Tesla, their risks were far more concentrated than Berkshire. Again, this is a major key to our themes of rebuilding your portfolio, 
How should you think about what to invest in? Everybody probably is thinking about, oh, what stocks do I need to go into? Maybe you should think about the themes of diversification, what it means. I've talked about diversification more in the past. I'm going to talk about it even more now in 2023 because this 2022 was a learning experience. It was a validating experience for those of us who were prepared, those of us who were diversified outside of what your favorite financial guy or internet guru told you diversification was. We're taking Warren Buffett and Berkshire as being one of, mo one of the models, not the totality, but to have 65 diversified subsidiaries with different cash flows, different business models, different risk characteristics as being more durable in downturns in the market. And I dare to say, if we were to wisely be more like Berkshire, be more like Warren in this sense, even if we may not want to, idea is not to have different types of stocks or just different types of stocks. We're not just going to add bonds to this and say that we're diversified. We're going to add some new markets and we're going to add some new ways we approach the market other than just buying and holding or hodling if you're in the crypto space. There is more to it than that, ladies and gentlemen, and that's why we're here. Now I'm going to move away from dog and tech stocks a little bit and move on to poking at cryptocurrencies just a bit. Because, for again, just like TCU in the national championship, they earned this. Along with our theme of rebuilding, and you're going to hear me talk a lot about Buffett. I'm not actually that crazy about Buffett, but one of the things I can do is not deny mastery when I see it. The guy's 92. And at 92, in the last 40 years, he's gained 99% of his wealth. But what's more incredible, if you look at just the last 10 years, about 75 to 80% of his wealth has been made in the last 10 years. This was at the same time that you had the guy from Barstool saying that Buffett was washed and that there's a new era. They even compared SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried of FTX, to being the new Warren Buffett. I'll tell you now, if you listen to anybody making these types of predictions and making these types of, you know, putting these types of eponyms on people, you probably don't need to subscribe to their channels at all. We need to go back to go forward. In technical terms, I would say that this is a correction or a retracement even. And in doing so, as we rebuild our portfolios in 2023, one of the things I want to bring to the forefront that some investors and definitely trader types, you probably never even heard of, but that's value investing. This is what this old boy has been known for since like 1964. But the same themes, even though the markets have changed umpteen times since 1964, we've had so many paradigm shifts in technology and in industry and how connected the world is, information technology. Yet this concept, of value investing, which you can call it a lot of things. You can go read security analysis. You can go read 
the intelligent investor a bunch of times, but I can tell you that value investing is investing in something that has present value and is very likely to have future value. Now, we can speculate about you know what's going to be the new thing, what's going to be the new whatever, but Buffett's conjecture on how this works gets no better than when he finally opened up in May of last year, May of 2022, at their, oh, I think it was actually April, at their annual shareholders meeting, he actually opened up on why he was so averse to crypto. And it's really simple. His preference for farmland was evident when he talked about it. And he said, hey, if somebody in this room or some kind of group could give me a 1% interest in all the farmland in just the United States, he would pay that group $25 billion, write a check for it that afternoon. Now, if he told somebody, somebody else gave him, said, hey, we, Warren, we can give you all the Bitcoin in the world and offered it to him for $25, he would not take it. Now, I would take it, but that's the speculative part of me. But his rationale is simple. For the farms, it's going to produce food. Now, again, that's weather aside and, you know, Steris Paribus, all things considered equal. Farms produce few food now and into the future. And there's going to always be a demand for this thing now and into the future. Same thing he said for 1% of the apartment houses in the United States. Same $25 billion check he write it. Why? Because as real estate people will tell you, they're only making, they don't make any more land. And apartment buildings, they're rent seeking. The apartments produce rent. And if you keep them up, all things considered equal, they produce rent now. And they're going to produce rent in the future because people are going to need somewhere to stay. We see that as evident in 2022. And that's still going to be very, very evident in 2023 and probably into the future. If you get these two examples, you get why Warren Buffett is a centibillionaire as well. You also get why Berkshire Hathaway is one of the most storied and most effective and successful companies, publicly traded or otherwise, in the world, not just the United States. And you get a bit about value invested. Now, if you get all three of these things, I suggest that you seriously look into value investing in 2023, because as the stock market itself has had a very strong devaluation, we've seen the market caps shrink. There's going to be some real opportunities out there. This isn't the time to come and say, oh, well, I'm just going to double down on the things that I have because I still believe what I believe. Who cares about what you believe? Think in terms of what's going to produce rents, what's going to produce farms, what's going to produce value now and into the future. And taking it another step higher, who's the best at doing that? As you look into the world of investing, no matter what you're looking at, no matter the sectors, make sure you're looking for the quality because we've had the hype. We've had the Elon Musks. We've had the Teslas. We've had the Tesla competitors. Uh, that <laughs> was a Rivian that, that had the CEO uh, guilty of fraud. These types of corrections bring fraud to the forefront. Need I say SBF and FTX one more time? 
And there's going to be more in that space as well as we start to shake the tree a little bit harder. Look for value if you want to be successful now and into the future. That's what investing is really all about. And so again, another old but goody, just like Warren Buffett himself, value investing one and one is not sexy, but it works now and likely into the future. Now, one last jab at the crypto correction, which is honestly a few years in the making. If you really want to put the top in, it was November of 2021. So we had all of last year to really start seeing this unwinding. This really comes back to my point about concentration risk. My only real, I guess you would say, criticism of the crypto world was not necessarily the cryptocurrency itself, even though I still attest to say that the blockchain and the ledger and the technology therein will be world changing. The idea of crypto assets and how it was implemented, platforms, even from Coinbase, but the platforms that I saw were inadequate to deal with whatever future they thought they were going to build because what happened in that space was everybody was the smartest person in the room, yet they forgot to solve the problems that had already been solved by traditional banking hundreds, if not thousands of years ago. Surprise, everything that's new is not really new under the sun. It just has a different wrapper on it. And all of the loss that you saw in crypto, you, I even heard people calling for regulation. And I thought that was one of the most ironic but laughable things. The whole space was invented to get around regulation, taxation. But what they missed was the fact that you're building up a lot like people with their portfolios. You're building up on the new. Don't forget the history of what you're doing. I consider myself maybe an amateur market historian, but I can tell you that in practice, in my professional practice, a lot of what I've learned comes from antiquity. Thousands of years ago, lessons learned. You build that into the system. The crypto systems that you see out there were inadequate in that one sense alone. And that was one of the things that ended up being its downfall outside of, you know, the requisite run of fraud. Because I will tell you, in any financial class, in any number of people, you get people there long enough, you're going to see some sort of fraud. The level of damage that it can exact on it is dependent on how the infrastructure and the system is built up. Crypto was new, acting very new. And again, everybody was the smartest person in the room. We talked about this ad nauseum, and I won't get onto it much because we're at the end of this segment, but schadenfraude was one of the things that kind of fell over me when I saw, as you can see here, looking at the extreme adjustments in net worth. Again, I asked the question, do we need to look at net worth that much? Or if we do, is there a better way of valuing it? Because looking at the number of zeros and goose eggs here, or the ones that you know, we're trace commas billionaires and now they're millionaires. I mean, hey, they're doing better than a lot of us still, at least on paper. A lot of it still could have been avoided. And for crypto to get to the space where it needs to be to be the next new thing, 
they've got to go back and have a much more thoughtful approach to how the foundation of crypto in the world is actually built. And for the record, for any of you that had anything to think that, oh, well, crypto was a hedge to my stocks. No, crypto proved itself at least to this point in 2023 to be a risk sensitive asset. So it's a risk asset, just like stocks. How can I tell? Because it failed when risk came off, it failed. Other types of assets don't do that. And that's the whole point of what we're talking about here in rebuilding our portfolio, also rebuilding our mindset. Am I saying no, don't invest in crypto? I'm not saying that. I'm also telling you not to double down on your mortgage and <laughs> doing so, but you probably know that one already. There's room for lots of various types of assets in just about everybody's portfolio along the lines of how much risk they can take. But for the most part, we remain unaware of how much risk we can take until like Mike Tyson says, you get punched in the mouth. 2022 was Mike Tyson's punch out from his old Nintendo Splendor. Now, this next segment, we're gonna take a break here and we're gonna come back talking about the market outlooks. Yes, congratulations. You guys made it to the market outlooks. So depending on your level of subscription, depending on how much you love Blacks Academy, we have two more levels deep for you. I hope you can join us. If not, consider joining. See you soon. For more information about our trading and investing courses, visit www.blacks.academy. That's B-L-A-X-E dot academy 